And 1 John chapter 4, we have been looking at the exhortation that we are to love God and we are to love others also. And um, yes, the air conditioning is on, okay? Only in Iowa. You go from one week to the... I, I don't know. They... The air conditioning wasn't on, and then right before I get up to speak, they turn it on, knowing there'd be plenty of hot air in here, right? Amen. Amen. That's right. Uh, There we go. He's priming the pump. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Donnie. I appreciate that. 1 John chapter 4. Notice... We'll begin reading in verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truths that we've heard um, reinforced and were reminded of this morning through the ministry of song. And Lord, we are dependent upon Your Spirit at this time in particular for You to open the Word to us, for You to make personal these truths. Lord, the subject of Your love And us loving you is something that no human tongue can properly convey. And so we ask your Spirit to do the ministering in our lives as we look entirely to you. We praise you in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. I was blessed this morning with the Pat's kids in that song, Um, The Bible says it so, it's got to be true. That phrase in that, something along that line. The Bible says it so, so it's got to be true. You know, I'm, I'm in amazement often at the things we wrestle with that God has said that, um, we wrestle with it and think, how could that be true? And, and, um, we, put all this time and energy in trying to explain certain things when um, God says, just trust me, your, I don't mean your, God, if you would, is saying to we as human beings, your simple minds can't understand this. You can't comprehend all this. And that's a good thing. I'm glad that we can't comprehend God fully, because if we did... He wouldn't be a very big God, and He wouldn't be able to do the things that God does. But you know, some of the most basic foundational truths that we need in our lives are things that we learned um, maybe back in the toddler class. We sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That is a truth, if we would really grasp that, would transform our lives. In verse 19, we find 
this simple verse. We love Him because He first loved us. I don't know if you can remember the very first Bible verse that you memorized, but this was the first verse um, that I memorized. I don't know if my parents said, we consider this guy and um, this kid, and we need to start out with the simple things with him, all right? But very simple. We love him because he first loved us. Now, John is exhorting us to understand the reality that the two great commands, the first command is to love God. And the second is to love others. But he's dealing with this just aspect of loving God. And he said, we love Him because He first loved us. Do you understand God made us to be responders? He made us to reciprocate. And we do love Him, not because we initiated anything, but because He loved us. And in in dealing with this aspect to loving God, I just want us to center our thoughts on that. How can I love God? How do I love God? Well, you know, in, in understanding God's love for us, we first of all need to see what I am. The natural condition of our heart. In order to grasp a little more the love of God. Do you understand the picture that, that God paints of our natural heart is not a picture that we like to look at. Um, All of us have pictures in our um, photo albums or on our computers that you go back and and your kids pull it out. Look at that, Dad! You look like that! Oh, Mom, you used to wear your hair like that! Oh, Turn the page! Come on, let's move on, you know? And don't worry, young people, there's coming a day when they're going to be looking at your pictures and say, honestly, you, you wore your hair like that once upon a time? Your hair used to be a different color than gray? <laughs> any rate, there are pictures that God paints for us that we don't like to look at. It's an, inter- it's an interesting thing, the the study changed to his image that we've gone through and we've gone through it with many people, the first several chapters of it are painting a picture of the human heart. And honestly, we've learned that you have to tell people this study is going to get better because it it takes you down to the darkness of the human heart And some people find that overwhelming, and we literally have had some people say, I'm just not, I'm I'm not going to go on with this. I can't take this anymore. Well, to understand the love of God, you really need to understand the heart of man. And we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but by nature, I am rebellious. I am selfish, 
I am deceitful. I am proud. I am stubborn. I am obstinate. I am independent. I am desperately wicked. And that's what we are. We, we have seen in recent months some horrific events of how certain human beings are treating other human beings. The beheadings, the torture. I mean, you can become very depressed in looking at the behavior of mankind. But it should never really surprise us what mankind does because there is no limit to the evil in our heart. And you may say, and I may say, I, I could never bring myself to do those things. It is but by the grace of God that you don't bring yourself to do those things. You know, I, I always marvel at people that say, if I were in your shoes, I would do this and that. No, if you were in my shoes, you'd do exactly what I'm doing because you're in my shoes. If, if we had been brought up like those ISIS people are brought up, we would be doing what they're doing. I don't know the makeup of their minds, but as fervent as they are, they really believe they are bringing the kingdom of God back by progressing their cause. And the evil that is manifested in our society today is a picture of the natural state of the human heart. History is full of the atrocities of mankind. And lest we think that we are more civilized and more righteous It is but by the grace of God. But even that, our natural heart is rebellious. Our natural heart is vile. Our natural heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You never have to teach a kid how to lie. You never have to teach them how to be deceitful. Um, it's, it's naturally there. We are naturally in rebellion against God. And, and although it's a picture we don't like to look at, it's a picture that's necessary for us to understand in a little better light the love of God. So we need to see what I am. My natural, the natural condition of my heart. Then we need to see what God did. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our... There's the Trinity again that the Patch Kids sang about. 
According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In going back and seeing what God did, where we're going to start is where He made us. He made us in His image. He made us for sonship. We were made in His image and with the potential of um, the privilege of sonship. Notice in chapter 2 and verse 7 of Genesis, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. He made us a living spirit. Different than the animal world, we are made in His image. We are made with the spirit that dwells, that, that we have, that can relate to God. We are made in the image of God. He made us a living spirit, and He made us to have fellowship with Him. In the very beginning, God would come and... and Commune with Adam and Eve in the garden until sin, of course, disrupted that. We read throughout the Scriptures over and over again that we are called to fellowship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So He made us in His image, and we don't have time to go into their long series that what does being made in the image of God consist of? But we are made in His image. We are made to be a living spirit. We are made to have fellowship with Him. And God wrote on the heart of every human being His law. Turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. As we go through this, there's so many things that come to mind, but... To get to Romans chapter 2, you have to go to Romans chapter 1. And we don't have time to go into all of that, that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, and so on. But notice if you'd look in Romans chapter 2 and verse 12. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, who did, who do not have the law by nature, do things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law unto themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Notice what he's saying. The law of God was given. But what about these Gentiles who did not receive the law of God as as the Israelite nation did? What about them? God says, I have written my law on their hearts. We as human beings were made to fellowship with God, and God put on every human being's heart a basic awareness 
of God and the principles of God. And that conscience is fully awakened when we come to know Christ as our personal Savior. But these are things God's done. He made us in His image. He gave us a living spirit. He made us to fellowship with Him. He wrote His law on our hearts. And that's where, we, that's where the rub comes in. Our natural heart is against God. And the law of God accuses us. And we know that we are sinners. And that guilt is in our life. And so mankind tries to deal with that guilt. And he creates religions that try to explain it away. Or he says, I don't even believe there is a God, so I don't have to worry about that. Or they come up with all kinds of things. But the law of God is written on our hearts. And we know, there's a sense that we know that there is a God. The heavens declare the glory of God. That there is, there is someone much bigger and mightier than we are. And our conscience accuses and the Spirit of God convicts us until we realize we are sinners and God is a holy God and I am a sinner and I am separated from God. And as we know, God sent His Son to pay the penalty for the sin of all mankind. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, God made Jesus Christ sin... For us, when Jesus Christ knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here I am in my rebellion against God, in my stubborn, obstinate, vile, self-willed. God commended, God showed His love toward me while I was yet a sinner. That He sent His Son to pay the penalty for all my sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not in a church, a church membership, a baptism, not in my good works, not in my family heritage. I am made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God's grace is based on His nature, not my behavior. God's grace is based on His nature, not my potential. And God's grace is immeasurable. His mercy is inexhaustible. His, pre His peace is inexpressible. And His love is unfathomable. And that's what He gave to us when He gave us His Son. This is, again, what God has done. And He invites all to come to Him for forgiveness. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 
he reiterates this. He says, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. And he said that he gave himself a ransom for our sin. And he said, this is good, Second, or First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So what he's saying is, okay, God paid the penalty and he invites all mankind to be adopted into his family, to have their sins forgiven. And once we come to trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sin, at that time we are born again and he gives us a new nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been, give, have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So here, it, I, my human nature is rebellious, it's vile, it's wicked in all its ways. And God in His love freely offers to me His divine nature, the forgiveness of sins, being made righteous through Him, that I may escape the corruption that is in the world. He gives me His nature, and in that He gives me everlasting life. I don't need to fear death. I have been given everlasting life. So, the love of God. I need to understand what I am by my nature. I need to understand what God did. I need to understand what God is doing. And just quickly, let me mention... God today is, is at work initiating His love. He already initiated it in sending His Son. But He pursues us. He perseveres in pursuing us. How many of you came to know Christ the very first time you heard the gospel? Some of you may have. Did any of you hear? The first time you heard the gospel, you responded to it. Okay, one person out of this this morning. Aren't you glad didn't, God didn't say, I'm going to give you one chance and that's it? No, He continues to pursue. His love is pursuing. How many times we've said no to God and God in His love continues to pursue us. And He perseveres in that pursuing. He woos us. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. He blesses us when we don't deserve it. 
What blessings do you have today that you deserve? None of them. This is what God is doing today. He provides for us. And we could go on and on and on. So I understand by nature what I am. I am an enemy of God. I am against God. And yet this is what God has done. And this is what God is continuing to do. So what should I do? We love Him because He first loved us. Because Let's, let's change that around. Because He first loved us, I love Him. What I should do, I should completely and continually and joyfully and humbly submit to Him with thanksgiving. Why? Because He loved me. And He continues to love me. We won't love God until we realize how much He loves us. The best way to allow your heart to be transformed into a lover of God is to first realize that you are the beloved. You are loved of God. And do you understand our human nature even reacts to that. I'm not good enough for God to love me, or I don't see how God could love me, and, and I'm... We even struggle with, with openly embracing God loves me with a perfect, never-ending love. You don't know what... Yes, He does know what you've done. He does know the deep evil that all of us have the potential of. And to allow God's love to change your love. If we came to grasp the love of God, the songwriter said, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of His love leading onward, leading homeward to my glorious rest above. Turn, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Just this morning, I wasn't planning, but just this morning I was looking at, at Ephesians 2. Paul was overcome with the love of God. And he's writing to the, the believers at Ephesus. And, and I know you've, you've read these before, but just follow along and, and ask God to make you realize the greatness of His love as we read this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So, the first three verses, he's saying, this is what 
I am. This is what I am by nature. We walked according to the course of the world. We lived after our own desires and our own lusts. And then it's like in the midst of darkness, a lightning bolt of light comes. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast, for we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made it by the flesh, by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who hath made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father." Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building fit, being fitted together grows into a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Do you understand what Paul's doing? He's saying, the, you were aliens, you were enemies of God, but you have been made members of the household of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, the great, great love of Jesus. Our deepest awareness of ourself should be that we are deeply loved by Jesus Christ and that we have done nothing to earn or deserve the least of His favors. Do you know today that you are deeply loved of God? Until we learn that, we won't love Him like we ought to. This last week, I... Um, came across a clip that we're going to show you here in just a moment. 
It's a, a little girl, 10-year-old girl that is in a refugee camp in um, Syria, fled from her own country. And as I saw this, I thought, this girl knows that God loves her. And as you see this, I want you to keep in mind, we love him because he first loved us. We don't love him because he gave us all these physical benefits. We love him because he first initiated love for us. As you watch this, this is someone that is aware the greatest thing in her life is that God loves her. For your great love that knows no limits of nationality, of age, of social status. And Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us here today to come to a fuller awareness of your great love for us. And may it be reflected then in our love for you that whatever comes in this life, we would never question your love. Lord, I pray for individuals here that maybe have never come to accept the gift of your love. Jesus Christ. I pray today before they leave that they would do that. Lord, I pray for believers here today that have lost sight of the greatness of your love and feel like you could not love them. Lord, may they come back to the truth of your word that nothing can separate us from the love of you. And may the fullness of your love grow each day in our lives and be manifested in the fullness of our love to you and then our love for others as well. Lord, we can never praise you enough for the love that rescued us from ourself, from our sin, from Satan, and from hell. And made us children of you by faith in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together with.